Happy Feast of All Saints. Today is a day that we celebrate. It is a feast day in our church. It is a day that we renew our baptismal covenant, that we remember who we are, that we remember what we believe or what we believe-ish. There's room in the Episcopal Church for a wide variety of expressions of faith, right? But it's also a day that in renewing our baptismal vows, we get to renew our promises. And the two promises that I find so compelling, so all-encompassing, but also so simple, are that we seek to love Christ in everybody. Loving our neighbors and loving ourselves. And that we strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of Every time we come to those words in a baptism or a renewal of our baptismal covenant, I think, my gosh, what sort of world would we create if we were all seeking to live in these ways? What sort of world would unfold if we kept these top of mind in our interactions and in the way we treat ourselves and in the way that spills out in the way we treat each other? So we remember all the saints. We remember St. John. We remember all those extraordinary people who have lived lives of faith that we aspire to. Today we also celebrate those that we love who have died. We hold space to remember and honor. We hold space for our ancestors, those that are part of the families we were born into and the families that we choose. Sometimes um, when I'm offering a blessing at the end of the service, I picture all of us and all of the people that influence us, that make us who we are. So I think of, it's not just me, myself, but I think of all those who I've looked to to shape me, who I've looked to for wisdom, who I know have loved me into the person that I am. And I think sometimes that goes back generations, even to people that I never directly knew, but who I knew through the stories I've been told. I think of that web of connection that connects all of us. We are people of the Christian faith. For us, life is eternal. We get to live in a different way. We've been offered two stories this morning from our scriptures to hold and sort of unpack as we figure out what it means to love those who have died, who we miss, how to honor what their work is in our midst. We just heard from John's Gospel the story of Lazarus and this remarkable, miraculous resurrection. The story starts with Jesus showing up at his friend's house. He was good friends with Lazarus, with Mary, with Martha. And he shows up, and there's not just the family there that are grieving, but we know that Lazarus died four days ago. So the people have joined in the morning. And chances are they were not too far outside of Jerusalem, so chances are there were some others who wanted to check things out, see what Jesus was about, what he might do in their midst. 
deeply compelled by the thing, the first thing that Mary says when she sees Jesus. If only you'd been here. If only you'd been here, Jesus, he wouldn't have had to die. How true is that? How many times do I think that in some situation, maybe not always with the the depths of suffering of losing someone we love, but in all varieties of way. If only someone had been here, or someone hadn't been here, or if only this person had made a different choice. If only. I'm struck with Jesus' response to Mary's frustration and despair. The text says that he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. And then he begins to weep. He holds space. He holds space for Mary's despair. He joins her in feeling the loss, the grief, the stripping away, the unsteadiness. When life changes, when the unexpected happens and it cuts us to our knees, if you will. Jesus doesn't say, oh, it's going to be all right. He doesn't say, God has a plan. He doesn't say, you'll get through it. He meets her where she is. He is deeply disturbed deep down within him, and he weeps. Jesus is, in the story, interacting with Mary in this family way. But also, his life has been, he's moving closer and closer toward Jerusalem. And I wonder, I wonder if Jesus knew what was going to happen. I I feel like he had to have an idea about what was going to happen, especially in in John's version of telling the story. So I imagine that Jesus was quite aware that whatever unfolded here was going to send him even closer to the sacrifice, to the offering that he was going to make of himself. So Jesus says, let's go to the tomb, pull the stone away. And then he prays. He prays, reminding those of us listening that Jesus and God were so connected, that God's love was shining through, was reflecting out from Jesus. Jesus, he says, he's not praying because he needs to be reminded of it. He knows so deeply within who he is and who he belongs to. He prays so that we all may hear that and so that we all may be invited into that space of knowing as well. The other text that we get to work with this morning is from the book of Revelation. Revelations, um, it's in a class all of its own. It's a very different type of sacred story than the gospel stories. But the text that we heard comes from the very end of Revelation. So it's almost like skipping ahead to the last few minutes of a movie or reading the last few pages of a book for a vision of what's to come. In Revelation, writer paints this picture of this magnificent city descending from heaven. And on the throne sits God, casting a vision for what 
life eternally is like. For what life is like when God's reign is fully present and engaging. No more crying. No more weeping. No more suffering. The story says that from the throne, God says, I am making all things new. I am making all things new. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. This is the hope. This is the vision that we know that we have as people of faith. We hold this hope of this um, metaphorical understanding of where we are headed. And when holding that hope, hopefully it strengthens us, it nourishes us to make our way through the ups and downs of our lives. To live our lives in response to this hope that God is painting for us. And to this love that God has revealed among us and that is here to move through us and around us. Returning to the story of Lazarus. We call it the story of the resurrection of Lazarus and yet very little of the story is actually about the resurrection. A lot of it is Jesus holding space and being with his friends, feeling all the big feelings. But after Jesus has prayed, he says, Lazarus, come out. And then the unexpected happens, and Lazarus emerges from the tomb. Lazarus emerges with the cloth covering his face, with his hands, with his feet bound and wrapped up. And Jesus says to all the people there, Unbind him and let him go. Jesus is inviting all of us to that same work. There's a vulnerability there. He's inviting us to unbind, unwrap, and free each other, but also to let ourselves be unbound and unwrapped by one another. God is pulling us forward into this vision of love and peace and all things being made new. In the midst of that, we are invited to unbind each other. To unbind the potential that is held in this space, that is held in the church unbind him and let him go.